Now, to show our gratitude, we're not going to be like the other guys and jerk you around and bullshit you. We're going to tell you the truth. Shane Douglas is the man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. The era of the franchise. The era of the ECW. And the franchise, Shane Douglas. Well, you want the lowdown on professional wrestling, get it right here at this podcast, Extreme Three-Way Dance. <laughs> like the pine trees lining the winding road, I've got a name, I've got a name. Like a singing bird in the croaking toad, I've got a name, I've got a name And I carry it with me like my daddy did But I'm living the dream that he kept here Moving me down the highway What's up, Connection Podcast Network listeners? Welcome to the most extreme menage a trois violence you'll ever experience on the Extreme Three-Way Dance at ECW podcast retrospective i am jt and joining me as always on the show are jenny and matt how are you guys doing uh, extremely extremely well mm. Mm. extremely better than matt well all right good how dare you this is counter yeah. <laughs> it is the Take gen wo you're absolutely right well here on this podcast we are hurtling toward the first ever ecw pay-per-view which is coming very soon for us uh, by the end of summer, we'll be there. Of course, it'll happen on April 13th, 1997. But here tonight, we are talking about the fallout from Crossing the Line again. That was our last episode. We dove deep into that card. We're going to hit three weeks of television. That'll take us right to the doorstep of our next big ECW Arena show, which is uh, Cyber Slam 97. So we'll get to that in our next episode. But tonight, we're going to cover the TV, the fallout from Crossing the Line. You guys uh, have any comments? Are you ready to dive right in? Let's go. Let's do it. All right. Start the February 4th, 1997 episode of Hardcore Television. And uh, as usual, of course, we're going to move pretty quickly through this first couple because there's going to mm-hmm. be a lot of highlights from the show we just covered. We opened Paul's big announcement about that ECW pay-per-view on April 13th, the hype video and Joey revealing the name of Barely Legal. We then see in full Stevie Richards versus Ricky Morton from Crossing the Line again. We go backstage with Douglas, Shane Douglas and Francine. They say they have a beef to pick with Pitbull 1. ECW came hard on Shane and Joey talks dirty on what they did to Pitbull 1. But what about Gary Wolf? And what about what he did to his impeccable reputation? No one questioned him that he meant what he said. He's just the guy that broke Wolf's neck despite he had that put a 117-pound woman through a table right before that. No one ever mentions that. No one says Wolf is the idiot who got in the ring with the halo and Douglas is just protecting himself. But yeah, but he's the bad guy for it. And Douglas has a score to settle, too. He can't wait for Wolf to get carted off in an ambulance with screws being put inside of him again. 
It'll be wheeled in permanently with his new friend named Christopher Reeves. So this is uh, quite the promo from Shane, uh, Matt. Yeah, I, I think we mentioned on the last episode that, you know, we're not sure where they're going with Shane. Mm-hmm. And, you know, can they stretch out Shane Pitbull to all the way to April, uh, Pitbulls all the way to April? Uh, if Shane keeps cutting promos like this and offending everybody under the sun with some of the things he says, there's a good chance they could stretch out Shane versus the Pitbulls uh, <laughs> yes. to, to barely legal. Because, uh, good Lord, he just it's, it's every fucking promo he cuts. Mm-hmm. He is finding some new awful thing to say about somebody, and he he one ups himself every time. I mean, being wheeled in permanently like Christopher Reeves, Jesus Christ, what a line! Like to to even think of that, you have to have some sort of uh, uh, screw loose in your head, and then to say it on television is uh, is is a choice that he made. So yeah, more amazing stuff from Shane here. It looks like they're going to keep going with the Shane Pitbull one saga. We'll see. But uh, yeah, uh, more uh, amazing borderline offensive stuff from Shane. Jenny. Instead of loose cannon, it's loose screw. Um, <laughs> I, I called this the, what did I really do promo by Shane? Cause you know, <laughs> like, look, I was just defending myself. It's not my fault. He got in the ring with his halo on. Like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> like you're not you're not convincing anybody it's a little bit it's a little bit of a stretch for Shane so I think that's why he uh had to really double down with the Christopher Reeve um comment so yeah I think that all just pretty much makes sense about what I know about Shane all right we then get uh Dr. Death Steve Williams versus Axel Rotten and Doc versus Raven and cross the line again, and then we close with Sandman versus Devon Dudley, and includes Bubba's heel turn and Brawl the Gangsters. So, I mean, really just a pure recap show mm-hmm. on that episode. So let's move ahead to February 11th, 1997. We see Tommy Dreamer in the dark. He says he's done a lot of hardcore things in the last three years, but imagine how extreme he'll get on April 13th. We think he had a very long Dreamer career retrospective video showing all his craziness. Beulah also says we'll see something extreme that night. It'll be barely legal, and she starts to unzip her leather top. So, Jenny, you think uh, Beulah's going to get naked on this pay-per-view? There's a good chance. I mean, she's definitely legal, though, right? Like, Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm, okay. mm-hmm. So, uh, also, was, is there, like, a, um, a hidden meaning to, besides the obvious of barely legal, like, <laughs> a lot of times they name their shows, like, taking shots at other things, so. I don't think so. I think they're. It's not a scandal. No, I don't know if maybe it was, like, a hint at, like, because they're, like, barely able they're barely legal enough to make pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're yeah. right on the line of it, maybe, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt, any thoughts on Tommy and Beulah here? Uh, I hope Beulah gets naked on the pay-per-view. That'd be an, auto- <laughs> that'd be an automatic 10 for me. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's a great video. It's a long video. And, you know, I... I... I almost wonder if it was done to kill time on this yeah. episode because it's very it's like five six minutes it's and I, I mean it's Tommy Dreamer he's like the biggest face one of the biggest faces ECW has so I get it but uh, boy it was it was quite it was uh, quite the long video here it was I guess just trying to eat up some time overall on the show here 
We get our opening animation. Joey's in the nest. He talks about barely legal. Says everyone wants to be world champion, including Dr. Death. He did not count on the BWO getting involved in the growing hostility between Raven and Richards, costing him his chance. We see the end of that match, and Joey says the pinfall is a credit to Raven, but it was Stevie that took Doc down. And if Raven wants to be champion at Barely Legal, he needs to keep Stevie's boot away from his chin. So I think this is pretty good. I, I, again, they're really hyping Stevie up as more of a threat and a player now. They're putting over the Stevie kick as lethal. Like we had mentioned, you know, they're going to quickly move on from them, you know, showing that Doc kicked out twice or whatever. And now it's all about Stevie caused mm-hmm. Doc the match, and that's all they're going to showcase. But... Um, Matt, like, are you, is this working for you? Because, you know, we spent two years here looking at Stevie as this goof, as this putz, as a guy that would have good matches and would show like guts and everything else. Um, you know, guts and, and will to, to hang in and fight guys like Sandman and, you know, whoever else you come across and dreamer and it's sub for Raven and, like we've been impressed by him at times, but he's always been presented as this kind of in over his head and mm-hmm. kind of a goofball. Like, is this working for you to like, is he getting legitimized or is this the crowd so into them that it's just, they got to run with it no matter what, or is it like kind of both, you know, uh, it, it's interesting because Stevie has always been presented as kind of like uh, uh, maybe comedy, but right now he's kind of like a comedy character. I mean, he wasn't necessarily that with Raven all the right. time, but now that's almost exclusively what he is with the BWO. But at the same time, the comedy he's doing is so fucking popular that if they ignored it and ignored how hot they were, it would kind of make him look stupid in a weird way. So it's it's weird. Like, I don't think... Stevie is ever going to be a guy like I don't I don't think he's going to main event barely legal with Raven right like I don't think I don't think he's ever going to be that tier but you know can he get a title shot on a random off month ECW arena show I mean sure why not I mean the crowd the crowd I mean it seems to me they want to see Stevie versus Raven you know Uh, is it great for Raven (laughs) <laughs> to wrestle a guy like Stevie, I don't know. I mean, they have the heat there, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's very strange. Like Stevie's not on a level to a guy like Sandman, obviously. But I, I do appreciate that they are trying to do stuff to make him seem a little more serious, even though he's in this uh, NWO spoof group. Like having him uh, kick Dr. Death, I think that's a guy who, you know, Joey said it, that, you know, Dr. Death hadn't been pinned in 10 years in the States, showing that Stevie Richards can take him down with a kick. I mean, that's that's you want to legitimize somebody. That's one way you could go about doing it. So, yeah, it's interesting. And I'm curious to see where they end up going with the Raven Stevie thing, because it does seem like they're spending a decent amount of time on it. So it's got to be going somewhere. But I just don't know how they're going to get there. So I'm curious to see what they're going to do with it. Well, I mean, I think we just saw with that (laughs) extremely long Tommy Dreamer video that long form storytelling (laughs) is Mm -hmm. kind of what they're good at. And and this is what I want. Like, I want to see Stevie's whole um, evolution, you know, from wacky character weirdo that so many terms you can call him but 
sidekick um, who comes into his own. I mean, he's seems like he's sort of halfway there. I feel like we're there's a lot to go with that. Mm-hmm. And but I, I have faith. Like I, I, Raven's in a good spot, you know, and Stevie's coming along. So it's I feel like it's working out the way it should. Joey's back in the nest. He says, Terry Funk, in the midst of one of the most dramatic comebacks of wrestling history, is desperate for one last crack at the ECW title as we head toward Barely Legal. We see his match with Tommy Rich from crossing the line again. And then he's backstage with a very animated purple Super Bowl 31 hat on. It's very, uh, very 90s. He tells us about Freckles Brown, a bull rider that was past his prime with two bad shoulders and two bad knees. But in 1967, he was in the National Finals Rodeo and drew a bull named Tornado. Freckles crawled on Tornado and rolled him for eight seconds to the buzzer. After that, Freckles said he did it because every dog has his day. And now that's how he feels. This dog wants to have his day in the ring with Raven. Memories are wonderful and the best when freshest. If he can go in with Raven and win the title, he can give his family a memory of him with the belt and not as a has-been. Every dog has his day, and so will this dog. And they'll raise hand, their hands at the end and said they did it their way. I just, I, that was a good promo, Jenny. I, I thought... Uh, you know, the freckles brown is whatever you, you can tell, and it's actually a real—he's a real guy, Gr- mm-hmm. Warren Granger Freckles Brown. Um, you could tell him in you know the fully idolized Terry Funk across the board because like these weird stories were definitely like a Mick Foley staple as well, where they mm-hmm. talk about this and weave it in and whatever else. But uh, I thought this was pretty well done. You know, Terry's just again just getting over the story that he's here for one last go to prove that he can still be a champion. Uh, sort of a different vibe than the last time I saw him when he was like weeping and um, pouring his heart out. So, you know, it's, it's good. Shows his range. Um, shows he's feeling good uh, as he should be. Um, <laughs> the Freckles Brown story was good. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like any story that has a character named Freckles Brown in it's probably <laughs> going to be pretty good. Um, he does get a little lost in it um, when he's talking about the memories part and mm-hmm. it's like memories mm-hmm. for my father who's not with us anymore. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I probably can't do that then. So, you know, it was, it was sweet and endearing. That. Yeah, uh, it, it was an interesting promo. The Freckles Brown stuff was a little uh, <laughs> weird to me, but I, I do think he tied it in well at the end saying every dog has his day. So. I mean, he, he tied it up into a nice bow, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a very different promo. And I said this about the last one, too. Both Funk promos have been very different from what I was expecting out of Terry mm-hmm. Funk and ECW. But uh, I've enjoyed both of them. It's not the, you know, crazy egg-sucking dog promo, mm-hmm. but, you know, which I, I love those, too. But it's just it, it's not what you were expecting or what I was expecting. And I, I think it's kind of better for that it shows that he can he can do any promo he wants to do so yeah i enjoyed this quite a bit all right we get clips of bubba ray dully turning heel and joining devon they have ended in the street and bubba says they're looking all over town for the gangsters but they can't find them anywhere devon just keeps yelling testify and amen as bubba rants he says the gangsters can't afford the north side, so they are on the south side. And they still can't find the gangsters. Bubba says the gangsters are p-p-p-p-cowards and then walks away. 
Devon does more preacher stuff, but Clear's voice is completely wrecked. I guess from oh, yeah, it's it's just completely hoarse. Uh, just good. Boy. <laughs> Sounded like Johnny Ace. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good promo as they establish the Dudley's Matt. Yeah, it was a good promo. It's like I said on the last episode. I I think it's great that they're going right into a feud with the gangsters. That's going to be a blood feud, and they're going to beat the shit out of each other. And I'm kind of here for it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's a perfect way to introduce this new uh, section of the Dudley family. So yeah, and I th- I, I like that they're in the streets, kind of like how the gangsters do all their promos. I thought that was a nice touch. So uh, yeah, good stuff here, Jenny. I I liked it. I like the matchup too. I'm glad they're going to be feuding here but it was a little bit great value public enemy for me like uh, i i didn't think it was that clever like you know one of them could barely talk and bubble bubble ray was there as well so i don't know um not as impressed by i mean it's better than stuttering i guess for laughs um so that's a good move but still a little bit unconvinced all right, well, we'll see if they convince you. Okay. Joey says, newcomers Balls Mahoney and Lance Storm are looking forward to being involved in SummerSlam, and they want to get their names out on the internet at this very special show. We then get their match from crossing the line again. Joey talks up Storm's win. He gives credit to Balls as well. Says they're working their way up the ladder. We then go to Raven in the basement. He says, if Terry's going to bore us to death with war stories, at least buy everyone around. <laughs> it's a vicious twist. That was good. It's a vicious, twisted thing and talks about all the bad things fate could do to a man. And if fate puts them together, not every dog will have its day. Raven says Terry talks about his dad dying in his arms. Instead of his dad had died in his arms, he would have had a much happier life. He's an ECW champion because nobody can beat him, not Funk. Uh, and I thought this was an amazing promo. I think Raven's just fantastic. Oh, my God. He's wonderful. And just so fucking casual. Mm-hmm. Just, hey, I'm just in the basement. Um <laughs> Like yeah, if my dad get... died, I'd be a lot happier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, it's 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 sort of detached, but he's just just in the zone. Like right. he's like he's just oh, it's perfect. Like he's just stares down the camera, all of it. Um, that first line just destroyed me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. after after such a sincere and heartfelt and beautiful, uh, uplifting. Uh, Funk's <laughs> promo just destroys it with one line. Um, genius, Matt. Yeah, uh, more amazing stuff from Raven. Oh, God, just <laughs> the line about having the decency to buy another round. <laughs> oh, good Lord, so great. Like you said, after Funk comes out here and bears his fucking soul talking <laughs> about the, the old bull rider Freckles Brown, Freckles Raven, Brown. Raven, Raven's just like, nah, fuck that, you suck. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to hear about your stupid fucking bull riders. I don't care. You're old, and I'm going to kick your ass. So yeah, just amazing stuff from Raven. <laughs> I, I kind of love it because I'm just not as big as Mark as you are. So I'm like, talk your shit, Raven. I hear you. <laughs> All right, we then get RVD and Sabu versus the Eliminators from Crossing the Line again. And that's it. Uh, I didn't do much from a award standpoint. Uh, to me, the best moment was Raven saying he wishes his dad died in his arms. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yes. And most 90s, I, I went with Funk's hat. The Super oh, Bowl yeah. Hat. Yeah, that hat screamed 1990s. <laughs> All right. Uh, any final thoughts on that episode before we move on? Mm, no. Nope. All right. 
Uh, I will tell you to check out everything on North South Connection. We have content dropping every day. So a bunch of current wrestling stuff, a bunch of old school wrestling stuff like this. That's evergreen content. Very nerdy. A lot of lists, a lot of rankings, a lot of deep dive projects. Uh, I'm super proud of just every content creator on this podcast feed. They uh, continually churning out, you know, top flight content. Uh, you know, there's never any issue with it, never any trouble with it. That is there. They hit the mark. They're proud of it. They put pride into it. Um, and it's all uh, super enjoyable to listen to. And we appreciate all the time everyone takes to uh, both record and then to listen, to rate and review as well. So thank you to everyone that checks us out and contributes along the way too. Uh, Jenny, though, every Wednesday belongs to you in this feed. Mm-hmm. That was well said. And I'm uh, proud to be here on North South on Wednesdays. All of my shows, uh, Freak Out Drive-In, you heard about Pluto, The Journey Through Infinity, uh, Talk Pop, and and anything I do is on Twitter, on Jenny Position. Matt? Uh, what do we got? We got Highway to the Impact Zone over on the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed. We are in the Spike TV era of TNA now, so uh, things are picking up in that respect so uh on the road to bound for glory 2005 which is probably tna's biggest show to date at that point so definitely give all those a listen uh you can also find me on youtube roulette over on the place to be nation wrestling feed and on my show piece of the action which is an action movie live watch podcast you can find that over on the place to be nation pop feed and you can find me on the twitter machine at msusa 1991 okay Let's move along to our final week of television, February 18th, 1997. Raven is in the stairwell. He says, Tommy Dreamer has never pinned him. Last week, they made a big deal about Tommy's career, but no footage of Tommy beating him because it never happened and never will. Tommy thinks this is his time, but that time will never be for him or his mentor or his hero. That five and dime cartoon would be legend Funk. All the young wrestlers look point and laugh at Funk. It old washed up has been. And the Funk, that Funk could be his father, and he hates his father. And he'll beat Funk just like his abusive bastard father beat him. Raven wants to hurt Funk and then his career in life just because he reminds him of his father and the sadistic things he did. The molestation, the beatings, the divorce, and never spent any time together. The baseball games he missed, the childhood he never had. A childhood that Tyler now gets to have since he left Sandman. Raven took Sandman's wife, his son, his belt. He doesn't have the guts or balls to get them back. If Sandman wants his wife and kid, he has to go see Stevie and the BWO because they have him now. Like everyone else, Richards deserted him when he needed him the most. Stevie decided he wanted his own career, not to be a lackey anymore. He wanted to go out and become a man. However, before Stevie leaves the nest, he gets one last chance to come back, and almost everything could be forgiven. Richards, Funk, Sandman, Dreamer, he's had enough of all of them. Paulie and Todd as well. He's the ECW champion. They do not want to incur his wrath anymore. If any of them want the belt, they have to get it, but it won't happen. And that's that. Uh, this was really intense. We learn more about what drives Raven week after week. Like he's been around two years and we're still just like learning new shit about mm-hmm. why he's the way he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had across all these multiple stories, clearly and on point. Just a, a fantastic promo, Jenny. Yes. And an opposite of what we saw earlier, just that quiet, you know, you know, kind of detached confidence. This He's worked up. He's pacing. He's got his hoodie on. Um, and just go into town. Like, he is just preaching. <laughs> um, this is wonderful. I, I love everything about it. He's, his in-ring stuff has been very good since his return from rehab. And um, 
his promos never really wavered, but I feel like he's really kind of, like you said, finding different layers that mm-hmm. we we kind of knew. He's Like, he talks about it in these abstracts, but he starts giving specifics in right. a way that he never has before, Matt. Yeah. This was super intense stuff. Uh, more great stuff from Raven here. It, 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 I'm he can fucking cut a promo on anything. I'm I'm yep. I'm kind of sure of it now. Like Heyman can just go up to him backstage and say, "I need you to give me five minutes on the fucking on this fucking orange I had for lunch," and Raven <laughs> can give you can give you five minutes on it. It's yeah. just. It's unbelievable, this uh, the promos he has. And, you know, like you said, he never lost a beat with rehab. I mean, he's just been banging him out, and they've all been fantastic. Uh, a much different vibe from the episode, from the, uh, the promo we saw in the last episode. But, uh, yeah, just more amazing stuff from Raven. And you're starting to kind of see maybe where, where they could be going for uh, Barely Legal. But uh, we'll see where they end up going. So uh, that'll be interesting to keep watch of. But, yeah, just incredible stuff from Raven as per usual. All right, we get our opening animation. Joey's in the nest. He talks about Raven feeling the pressure. All eyes are on wrestling are on this weekend's CyberSlam as well as Barely Legal. He says the show is the talk of Monday Night Cable Wars and has the Internet buzzing. Raven defeated Dr. Death with help from Stevie, his old chief flunky. But now... Is uh, but as now the order of BWO is independent and rising as a star, uh, it's a leader of BWO. Lori and Tyler Fullington are now followers of the BWO, and Raven started this by taking everything away from Sandman in 1996. Then there's Tommy Dreamer, who's never pinned Raven despite how close he's come. Then there's Terry Funk, who last lost the world title 20 years ago. Could be time for him to reign again as he's pleading for a shot. Stevie, Sandman, Dreamer, Funk are all chasing Raven. This weekend, Raven defends his title at SummerSlam, and if he survives, again, it barely legal. Good level set promo, I thought, of the main event chaos we got going on here. Like we talked about last episode, we don't really have a dedicated challenger. Raven's kind of fending off all comers. Uh, first mention of SummerSlam? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we've said barely legal 100 mm. times, and <laughs> and uh, we have a show before then. So, mm-hmm. um, I... I, I Ooh, it, it it makes it feel shaky. I'll just They might it. have already sold it out, you know. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Right. I don't but know yeah, what they, really they could about. possibly do but a bunch of middle matches on right. this stuff. But... <laughs> Yeah, uh, there, there's definitely, I just said it, there's definitely chaos in the main event scene. We'll see where they go for Barely Legal. Uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot of different ways they could go with that show, and uh, we'll, we'll see how they get there. But yeah, uh, as per usual, great stuff here. All right. Joey's back in the nest. He says, tonight's matches are from a show at the Wonderland Greyhound Park in Revere, Massachusetts. Revere! <laughs> So of course the y'all ever been there? I have not. Uh, I've driven through Revere. Revere's yes. not Revere's not a place you want to go. Yeah. No. Say. No. Okay. It's very it's rather dumpy. Mm. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's a Webster. Better than a GCW show, I guess. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> no. Okay. It's kind of dumpy there too, I guess. <laughs> All right, well, our match from Revia is the Sandman taking on Devon Dudley. Joey says this match is even uglier than their first. The Sandman walks to the ring, 
talks up Sandman's shocking worldwide fan base. He's the antithesis of a pro athlete, but is a former world champion as well. Devon has an angry-looking sign guy with him as Sandman does a very long entrance, chugging multiple beers. Joey says Sandman was barred from 24 local bars due to fistfighting by age 18. <laughs> we get clips of their match from crossing the line again during the intros. We start a uh, with a deadly chair shot to the head. We see smoke billowing up from the crowd to light up cigarettes. Devon slaps and punches Sandman around. Sandman's forehead is bleeding. He already looks dopey. Devon chucks him outside and slugs away. A slow pace here. Sandman's barely standing. This is Devon punching him over and over. Sandman posts Devon, then whips him to the railing, puts on the, Devon, the Dudley glasses, and struts around. Sandman pulls out a giant ladder to a pop and slams Devon on the floor and spikes the ladder on him. Joey says, this is ECW. Don't be fooled by cheap imitations, which was a great dig at WWF uh, and their old uh, commercials that talked about that. Back inside, Sandman chops away, but Devon shoots him into the ladder, puts it on him, leaps off the middle rope, and sits on it. Looks like it hurt. Devon goes up top, but Sandman bounces off the rope, and Devon falls. But on the way down, he hits the ladder, and a seesaw is into Sandman's face. That was well done. Mm-hmm. Back inside, Devon tries a frog splash off the ladder, but misses. Sandman DDTs him, scales the ladder, hangs off the drop ceiling, and then falls into a leg drop for the win. <laughs> for a really wild spot, and the pop was uh, good for it, too. Uh, pretty good brawl. Uh, a little long early on, but it got revved up and had some innovative spots in a unique-looking building. Tough loss for Devon, but Sandman hangs in and gets some revenge. Uh, so this is just the match. We'll get to the post-match in a minute, Jenny, but I went two and a quarter on the match. Um, I I did two and a half. I That ending really put me uh, up on the match. But, like, it's so funny. This place that they're at, uh, can't really... Think of anything to look like a community center. I don't know. It had like a snack bar. Look like I don't know. But the floors. No, I think it's a fucking. Is it a race park? It a yeah, race? it's a great. It's a great home park. It literally yeah. is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, shit. Okay. Yep. Oh, that's leading to more questions, but um, the floors were like sort of clean, so that was just weird. It was freaking me out. Like it was very mm-hmm. bright and very different um from what i'm used to saying even in their weird locations that they go to it seems sort of different so i liked it i like the setting um <laughs> i want to talk about the ladders because it seems like are we getting like ladder heavy are we starting to it feel it feels like it yeah uh, yeah um you know, we saw one with the eliminator and um sabu match and and at the time, I was like, "Huh, ladder." You know, I don't. I feel. I don't feel like we see them. And here comes Sandman with one. Um, so I, I guess that's starting to become a trend now, maybe. Or are they following a trend? Or are they starting a trend? Um. So ladder match in WWF had been a thing, mm-hmm. but not like overwrought. Like there had only been really, to this point, I think only a couple. Yeah, two or three, maybe. And WCW had just done one. It sold out. Ah, okay. Um, But it wasn't really, like, a huge thing yet. And the WWF doesn't become a huge thing, really, until, like, 99. Mm-hmm. So there's some time there. I, I mean, uh, there's other ones, but, like, that's when it becomes more regular. Um, It was cool. I, I liked it. I like seeing it here. I like that little um seesaw. Uh, ladder to the face move that looks good so i like this one two and a half matt 
Yeah, uh, I, I like this better than the uh, the crossing the line again match. I went two stars on it uh, solely for that fucking finish. That finish was ridiculous. You, mm-hmm. you do you're doing that shit on a fucking house show at a Greyhound park. You you drunk asshole. You insane person. What are you? It's doing? so funny because you can see when he thinks of it. <laughs> right. You're like ah. Uh, he's like ah. Uh, I'm gonna climb up on that thing. I'm gonna. It looks cool. I'm gonna hang from this post like it's yeah, a jungle gym, it and awesome. then I'm gonna drop a leg off of it. Uh, that that must have hurt like hell too. Hell Good yeah, boy. dude. What are you what are you doing? But uh, yeah, it's he cool didn't feel nothing at that point. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, this looks like a very weird place to go see a wrestling. Yeah. There's fucking poles and pillars everywhere. I think there were people sitting like inside where the bedding windows are. There's one part where you could see that, like. Just a weird place to go see wrestling. Good lord. But yeah, the, the finish was really cool, and I, I, I dug the match more than the one at the, the ECW arena. arena. So, uh, two stars for me. Betting windows, not snack bar. <laughs> that makes more sense. <laughs> well, I guess they had to have a snack bar. Hey, I mean, they could have both. They something. Uh, Gerner gets in the ring, as usual, but Sandman canes him before he even can talk. Just smashes him. Uh, Bubba Ray comes in and attacks Sandman from behind. He barks at the crowd. Sandman fights back, but Devon's back at it. The Dudley swarm him and leave him beaten down with the Dudley death drop. As Joey says, Tommy Dreamer's being stitched up. The gangsters are out of action, and no one is here to save uh, Sandman from the Dudley. So, that was a pretty good post-match. Any quick thoughts there, Matt? Yeah, uh, much better looking Dudley Death Drop here than the one we saw at the EZW Arena. Mm-hmm. The one in the arena was a little rough. Uh, they they must have worked on it in the interim because it hit flush here and it looked fucking great. And mm-hmm. Sandman sold it great. So, uh, yeah, fun stuff here. I like how Joel can't even talk before he gets fucking <laughs> caned. Sandman's like, not today, motherfucker. <laughs> that was great. All right, Joey's in the nest. He sends us to Tokyo to hear from the great Sasuke, Gran Hamada, and Gran Naniwa from Minchinoko Pro. They'll be competing in a six-man action at Barely Legal on April 13th. Tickets on sale at the arena for club members on March 3rd, or club members can pick up tickets at CyberSlam on Saturday if they're attending. Next week, we have more information on general release. We then hear from Sasuke, Hamada, and Naniwa as they join us. Sasuke mainly speaks Japanese about Barely Legal. He does say ECW is number one USA promotion and Michinoka Pro is number one in Japan and they get over all over the world. And this is a big deal to bring these guys in. The buzz was really big on them, uh, kind of across the insider community. And they continue to be ahead of the game, finding the rising talent. Like we talked about it, like on our last episode, right, where they had, you know, all the all you know, Benoit Malenko, those guys, they brought them in before they were names. Then they have the Luchador extreme luchador guys in before they were names and now again they're bringing in these dudes from michinoko pro uh before they are names as well so we'll see them quickly rise in uh notoriety throughout 1997 but they're ahead of the game here matt yeah uh definitely a cool get sasuke was uh fairly well known at this point like if you watched like all the japanese wrestling mm-hmm. he was a pretty big name he was in new japan and places like that so uh definitely a cool get and it gives you know a, a barely legal uh, a pretty big boost having them be a part of it so i think I, I think it's great and uh it should be a great fucking match so looking forward to seeing that jenny yeah, I mean, I, I just don't have much experience with um, any kind of Japanese wrestling, so uh, I am super curious 
um, whether they can be extreme um, with with our boys in ECW. Well, we'll see. Joey's in the nest. He's all horny from those highlights of the Michinoka Pro. <laughs> we get clips from Lance Storm defeating Balls Mahoney. Joey's in the nest. He said Lance Storm will face Taz at CyberSlam. Taz returned in action against Scott Taylor in Webster, his first mm-hmm. match since the shoulder injury. And we do get that match, Taz versus local boy Scott Taylor. Taz works thanks to the mat right away, working through some counterattacks. Joey notes that Taylor has experience in WCW and ODF, but that won't help him against Taz. Taylor smacks Taz, and Taz just snaps him to the mat and ragdolls him into a cross arm breaker. Taz beats on him on the floor, but Taylor mounts a quick comeback with a drop kick that knocks Taz outside. Taylor meets him with a springboard cross body block, showing up here in front of his home fans. Taz takes back over inside with a front headlock suplex and then crushes him with a hard clothesline. Taylor gets a sunset flip for two, but gets wrecked by a clothesline. Taylor's hanging in. Taz mocks Sabu, but Taylor comes back again and crotches Taz on the post. Taylor meets him back inside with a springboard clothesline for two, but Taz catches him, hits a T-bone, and finishes with the Taz mission. I thought it was a fun match. Uh, it was a little questionable maybe to make Taz look vulnerable, but in reality, he never mm-hmm. felt in mm-hmm. But that said, I don't think he ever felt in danger. It just felt like this guy was hitting little shots here and there until Taz got serious. Um, and they didn't make the hometown guy look good. Elevator of potential future peace. If they want to bring Taylor in, he, he's already made. Uh, and I thought Taz still looked awesome. And he's coming off the shoulder injury, so you can use the rust as a as a reason, too, for the struggles. But I went two and a half, Matt. I thought it was a pretty good little match. Yeah, two and a half for me, too. Uh, great showcase for Taz, which is really what this was. Just have, you know, mm. t- Taylor got a little bit of stuff in, but basically Taz just killing this guy, you know, before throwing in the Taz mission. Uh, this fucking ring that they were using at this show, <laughs> you thought the GCW ring <laughs> looked bad. Uh, this fucker should be like, uh, have like caution tape around it and mm-hmm. should have to use a hazmat suit. Good Lord, you get a disease named after you if you wrestle in that <laughs> ring. Right. Jesus Christ. What was that uh, giant stain? Like, it didn't look like blood. Like, oh, <laughs> oh like, it's uh, not red. It's uh, definitely brown. <laughs> I think it was uh, uh, ghost ooze from the uh, the ghosts <laughs> of the Webster Town Hall. Yeah, I think they had uh, wrestlers. colonial era. Right, the ghost of Honest Abe and the ghost of Hackenschmidt had a match, and yeah. Ectoplasm. Uh, <laughs> Ectoplasm. That's the word I was thinking of. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, the headlock suit. Complex from Taz was nuts. I love that move. He just mm-hmm. fucking throws the man by his neck. You shouldn't yes. be able to do that to another human being. Just awesome stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, t- Taylor got a little bit of shine in, which was, you know, good. I, I mean, it wasn't too, too much. You know, they could have gone too much being he was a hometown boy and all that. But I mean, the bottom line is uh, Taz ended up choking him out in, you know, mm-hmm. five minutes or so. So all, all is fine. So fun showcase for Taz. Two and a half, Jenny. Yeah, I guess I just like to watch Taz just like move around. Um, Cause it's like, I get it. Like I get the point of the match. I get the guy getting his offense in. He did it all right. You know, like, you know, respect, sir. Um, it was fine. Uh, that headlock fucking Tazplex thing was brutal. Like they got a great angle on that too, because when he yes. came down, I was like, oh, fuck. That guy's mm-hmm. dead. Um, yeah, I don't know. Crotching in the corner was kind of something. 
don't know how I felt about that, but I guess it was fine. And uh, I hate, hate, hate Fonzie and his fucking whistle. <laughs> Two and a half stars. All right, we hear from Taka Michinoku, Dick Togo, and Men's Teo in Japan. They are the opponents for the three we talked to earlier. In come the BWO, and they all celebrate. And the team known as Kai and Tai put on BWO shirts. Stevie explains the concept, and they all say, buy the shirt. So it's a pretty good moment. <laughs> so we've now set up the two teams for the Michinoku Pro Match, a barely legal, which would be part of the draw for that show. It was good to see these three out there, too. They can't speak English, but they're going to put on a BWO shirt. Why so. a shirt? It's getting over, y'all. Mm-hmm. It's over. I, I did love Stevie saying that the shirts are 100% cotton. That's very important. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> they came pre-cut off, too. Yeah. That was good. good. Stevie cut those himself. Yeah, pre-cut. Uh, Joey hypes up CyberSlam, and the ticket sales are barely legal. We then get Shane and Francine outside. Shane talks about the TV title signifying him as the greatest wrestler on TV today. He mocks Terry Funk saying he'll do his things his way. And Shane says he'll do things his way. And he kisses Francine. Then Pulp Fiction time. Brian Lee talks about being a bulldozer for hire. He wants to be shown the money. Shane threatening to do worse things to Gary Wolf to keep his title. Candido rants and talks about his history with Sabu across the world. Says he thought they were friends, but he was jealous of Candido and his woman. And talks about the Sheik and his fire and says a triple threat is what he cares about. We then get a fan cam of Taz attacking RVD after a match with Mikey Whipwreck. Sabu showed up as well. They had a showdown, uh, but no blows were thrown as the locker room emptied and kept them apart. And that'll wrap up our episode. Jenny, any thoughts on Pulp Fiction here? Why didn't they put that first Shane little promo in with Pulp Fiction? It really mm. bugged me. It really yeah. bugged me. I think me. they usually do this, though. Now they usually kind of have, like... A promo that bridges into it. I feel like that's a standard thing. Is it? Yeah, I think so. It's like the open to it, and then it like officially opens. The preamble. But, okay, that's fair. But usually it's longer. Like, you know, there's more to it. Like, this was like pretty short, so I just felt like, why do that? Just... Mm. Anyway, um, I like the making out part. That was good. Not, in, not enough of these are shot in the bathroom. So I'm glad Brian Lee um, took the camera crew um, to the stalls for that. Show me the money. That was fun. Um, parody? Uh, parody? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, uh, okay. Um, Candido, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> he is just screaming. He's always all over the place. Not, <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm following nothing. I'm like, mm-hmm. no idea. Literally, I don't know. He was just screaming. Tell me what it's talking about, Matt. You know it's bad when the subtitles don't fucking help you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I did that too. I'm like, got nothing. Good God, man. Lay off the blow for a bit, will you? <laughs> like, he's, he's, he's just rambling. He's just ra- I mean, it's very entertaining to watch. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but he's he's saying a lot, but also saying mm-hmm. nothing at the nothing. same fucking time. And it, it's, it's something to watch. Uh, I think Brian Lee had just watched Jerry Maguire, and he thought I that was. So. I think he thought that was a cool thing to say, so uh, that's why, that's why he said that. Uh, the fan cam stuff, I always love seeing the fan cam footage. Uh, it, it's interesting, like if they're gonna keep doing this Taz and Sabu thing on the uh, on the house show circuit, I I guess it's fine, but it's one of those things where I feel like they need to do more. 
but they also don't want to have them get physical with each other mm-hmm. before before the mm-hmm. pay-per-view. So what do you do? Like it, they're they're kind of in a weird spot right now with it, and I don't know how they're going to solve that problem uh, unless they're doing this on every single show for the next two months. But yeah, I hope not. It's kind of a weird spot to be in. And I, I get the storyline. You don't want them to touch. That's fine. But then just keep them apart and have them cut promos on each other or something. It's just right. it, it, it's a weird way they're doing it. But, uh, yeah, it was still cool to see. I love seeing the fan cam footage, like I said. So, well, I think part of it, too, is, you know, like, don't forget the TV so limited, everything's so limited. So I think they're just trying to do this for, like, all these local fans getting a chance to see Taz and Sabu and they're really working to sell a pay-per-view now. Right. So they got to get this over in all these towns to make you want to see them finally throw down on the pay-per-view. So, yep. All right. Best match of the night uh, for me was actually Taz and Scott Taylor. Yep. Yeah, I guess so. And worst match, Sam man and Devon. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, best moment with Ravens promo to open the show. Yeah. Gotta be. Uh, most 90s, there was an old school Raiders bulky starter jacket in the crowd in Revere. Mm. And uh, also the smoking in the crowd in Revere as well. Just so you can yeah. see it billowing up. That's what I uh, uh, just, just the Greyhound Park in general is very, <laughs> is very 90s. Mm. Have you ever been to one? Yes. Uh, I have not. Is it fun? Uh, I haven't been to like an actual old school park, but the where one of the, the casino in Rhode Island is now was a Greyhound, Greyhound mm-hmm. park and you could go watch the, the dogs race there. And I did it like once it, it was fine. I haven't been to like an actual old school, just where it's just the park and you just okay. like get gamble. And the, this is like a full casino, but they had it there. It used to just be a park and they had a casino. I would definitely do that. Is that, um, can you say that anymore? I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how people feel about dog racing. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm out of the loop on the. Yeah. yeah me too. If it's bad, then I don't want to do it. <laughs> but we're going to get canceled by PETA. Great. I know, right? mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry, guys. It's funny. We got canceled by PETA. Well, Winston. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, stock rising. Uh, we got Raven, Barely Legal, and Michelle Pro for me. Barely Legal. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that is rising for sure. Uh, oh. Sandman, Sandman was rising when he hung from the ceiling. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have any falling. No. And uh, final grade, I went six out of ten. And this is a fine episode of TV. We had a couple of things happen. We had some uh, storyline movements. It was just a little above middle of the road. And the Raven promo was great. Yeah, I did six and a half out of ten. Yeah, I went to six and a half too. For the, I gave the extra bump for the Raven promo. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, that'll do it. Uh, so how are we feeling? We're you know, closing in on Barely Legal, we have Cyber Slam. That'll be our next episode in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Then we're on from there. It's the, the final push. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there is one more March arena show that we're not going to get to, but or we're not going to have available. So we actually get two arena shows, I think. But the Barely Legal push should begin in earnest, I think, once we get by Cyber Slam. So. Um, I, I think that, like we said in the last couple episodes, that... Um, there's some work to do. Like, uh-huh. there's good things that they got going. Um, I feel like some attention needs to be paid to some other people, some other feuds, some other things to branch out a little bit. Mm-hmm. We just see in a lot of the samey type things. Um, 
I don't know where Mikey is. Um, we didn't have uh, FBI, you know, just I feel like we're missing a lot of characters. And, right. Um, I mean, it. I mean, it's good because you get to focus up on on things that are that are working. I feel like that are good. And we're enjoying, but I, I I do feel like there's this void in the middle now. Right. I mean, uh, outside of Taz and Sabu, there's no real clear direction as to what they're gonna do. I mean, there's hints as to, you know, where we think they're going to go, but they haven't said Raven is facing X at this show, you know, which is which is kind of weird, and I almost wonder if it's a thing like uh, they're hoping they could sell the show solely on Taz and Sabu, because like, that's the big marquee match, and then they can just sprinkle in the rest of the card as they may. That's I don't know if that's true, but that's kind of how it feels right now, because I mean, we're, you know five six weeks away from this big show and outside of taz sabu we don't know anything else that's happening so it's kind of it's kind of it's a weird thing to be in so uh, i don't know i just kind of think that uh, it, it feels that way to me and i don't necessarily believe that to be the case but that's kind of how it feels so mm-hmm. we'll we'll see if that changes by the time we get to cyber slam hopefully it does because i feel like you gotta have something for you your world champion to do at your uh, biggest show ever so mm-hmm. ho- hopefully we get that all sorted out by the time we're at cyber slam all right well we'll see we'll be back in two weeks with cyber slam and until then stay